Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Damian Lupo today. Damian is a superstar and Damian is going to disrupt your thinking today. There is no doubt about that. And if you want to bring out the inner guru within you, if you want to understand the greatest opportunities in today's landscape and in the next several years and over the next decade, if you want to design the next decade, then today is the show for you, my friends. And I'm just telling you, this is an incredible, incredible episode from an incredible human being and Damian Lupo. And I just want to encourage you, to buckle up because today is a phenomenal day. Are you ready to take it to another level? I have absolutely no doubt today is that day and we're going to be taking it to the next level and beyond because really at the end of the day, we are sitting down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. Today, we're sitting down with Damian Lupo, one of the world's greatest financial gurus. And really, honestly, this is an individual who is raising the bar in terms of mindset, in terms of thinking, and in terms of really breaking free of the financial bondage. And if you feel like the world has set you up for financial bondage, well, then today's episode is for you because we are going to break free from that. And we're going to think so much bigger. And we're going to really challenge ourselves to take our lives to the next level and beyond. And it's not about incremental change. It's about making exponential leaps in today's episode and today's conversation is really all about that. This is for high performing real estate investors who have a burning desire to be even higher performing and to really expand their life to a life without limits because it is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, we will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from an individual like Damian Lupo, who is a world-class individual, so that you can understand and learn how to elevate to a life without limits. This show is insane. I'm just telling you right now, this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through real estate investing, other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you are enjoying Elevate, just want to thank you so much for your support and for listening, for watching, wherever you are. We are grateful for Elevate Nation. And I can tell you that our team is really pouring in so much love and so much passion into this podcast. And we're going to continue to do that. So we just want to thank you so much for listening. And I want to encourage you to pay it forward by sharing Elevate with a friend, sharing it with a colleague, sharing it with someone that you really care about and letting them know how much value you're getting from Elevate. That's the fee. We don't ask that you pay anything. All we ask is that you share this with a friend as any business or any relationship. It's about referrals. And we'd love nothing more than to earn your trust to refer us to someone else that you really care about so that they can elevate their life to a life without limits. Because guess what? It's available to us. And we are so excited about sharing these continued stories and these continued tactics and strategies and mindsets because you know what? Elevate is uh, it's a beautiful gift and we'd love for you to give that gift to someone else. Also, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, a review, and uh, let us know what you're loving about Elevate. And of course, go check out elevatepod.com where you can visit all of the show notes and, and all that good stuff. So with all that said, I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Damian Lupo, whose mission is simple, free a million people from financial bondage. 
His unique tool is a fusion of financial literacy and a little known strategy called the EQRP that allows investors to control their retirement money and get off the Wall Street roller coaster. He's the best-selling author of 12 books on personal finance, investment, and retirement planning. He hosts the Financial Underdogs podcast and has owned more than 50 companies and is the founder of his own martial art, Yokido. Damien is the chief honey badger at the EQRP company and the lead architect of the EQRP, the Ferrari of 401ks. The EQRP is a unique and powerful system to put individuals in command of their own investments and breaking that money out of Wall Street jail. Damien is also a professional investor with decades of real world experience that started with the purchase of his first rental using a Visa card advance, a move that snowballed into 150 rental houses in less than five years. In 2008, he lost his whole $20 million business only to bounce back and recreate his wealth in five years. And you're going to hear all about these stories and so much more in today's episode. And I just want to really encourage you to listen closely, to pause when needed and jot down some notes and make some ideas because I'm telling you today could change your life. Today's episode can and perhaps will change your life. And I just really want to encourage you to dive into this immense and amazing conversation with the great, and I don't say that lightly, Damien Lupo. Damien, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Good, Tyler. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. And uh, I was just, we were just kind of chit-chatting before we got started here. It does feel like we're back at the bar when we had the first conversation and maybe we'll treat it like that. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I love being at the bar. I mean, it's not because I'm an alcoholic. It's because I think there's <laughs> authentic engagement that happens. And so it's just more fun to have conversations. And I think people care about that more than they care about the choreographed stuff. In general, I think this is one of the things that people are getting burned out on. All the stuff that's too pretty and it's too perfect. In the real life, the real investing world is not pretty. It's not perfect. It's ugly. It's messy. And people care to know the truth. And so I think that that's what we're all about here. I agree. I think one of the things about authenticity is that you can tell when it's authentic, right? You can tell when something is is choreographed or it's made up or, you know, you've crafted some story, this perfect story. But the thing I love about you is that you're just who you are, right? You're just real. You don't like try to really carve out all the edges. You're just who you are. Like you have a little bit of an edge to you, but also you serve other people, which I really appreciate. But as we dive into this conversation, one of the things that I love to ask my guests as we start this conversation is how would the people who are closest to you really describe you? Like your closest family, your closest friends, what would they say about Damian Lupo? The thing that comes to mind is, is I'm scary fast at making decisions. And there's like our avatar for the company, for the tribe, for the people, all of our clients, the people that are part of it is the honey badger. And it's the, it's the most fearless animal. It's also one of the funniest videos on YouTube, but it's, <laughs> it's like the, the fearless, most fearless animal in the world. And, and I don't have a fear around making a mistake, whether it's doing something that I'm going to be laughed at or spending a bunch of money on something. And I do, and I pivot really, really fast. And I've done that more and more consistently over time. And so now it's just normal. And people that haven't done that go, like it freaks people out because we're so used to pain involved in mistakes. And I'm too busy onto the next thing after the pain. I don't sit there and wallow in the pain. And I, people would say that, that consistently, I don't, I, I don't think about things indefinitely. Paralysis analysis is definitely not part of me. And nobody would ever say that. Yeah. And that really is apparent when I think about you and when I kind of study you, or at least 
gain perspective on you is that you do pivot fast. And I think that that's one of the most important things for entrepreneurs is to be able to pivot fast, especially, man, it's a roller coaster. I don't know about you, but when I, when I got started as being an entrepreneur, I was like, wait a minute, I didn't realize it was going to be this up and down. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that fearlessness also is so important and thinking about, you know, man, there's, especially if you're trying to free people from financial bondage, which I know will come up in our conversation today, there's a lot of fear involved there. What do you think about that? I do. Um, you know, I think that what, what people don't realize is that fear and motion can't happen at the same time. If you're in motion, it's impossible to be in fear. Fear is when you're idle. And, mm. and if you think about that, when you're, you're in the middle of doing something, there's the energy is going towards the doingness. If you're not doing, then you're being and you're, that's your whole space, your energy. And so people go, well, aren't you afraid? I'm like, maybe I was when I was thinking about it, but when I was busy doing it, I was busy doing it. And that's where the focus was. Because you can only focus on one thing. Like when, It's funny to me when people say, well, I'm multitasking. I go, no, you're not. You're doing one thing and then you're switching really fast. And they say, well, no, I'm a woman. That's what I do. And I'm like, women, they just switch faster. We can only focus on one thing at a time. And, and so if you focus, if you're in motion, it really does change this whole level of fear and anxiety because you're, you're truly busy. So I think that that's one of the things people need to do when they go, I don't know what to do I'm, I'm, because you're concerned you're going to make a mistake. If you're busy doing something, then it doesn't take over to where you're stalled out. So I, I don't care what somebody does. They just need to do something. When did you learn that? Because I, I don't know about you. I never, I didn't always know that. Like, you know, for me, it was like fear crippled me, right? I would be stuck and I wouldn't be able to make any decision. But were you in that boat at some point in time? And then you learned that just through doing, or when did that happen for you? In April of 2000 is when, it, and it's funny because it's like, how in the world did you know something from 20? Seriously. All right. Like, <laughs> In April, I had purchased, so I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I, I went to a seminar where I saw Robert speaking and some other people, and I bought everybody's tapes, and this is January, the beginning of January 2000. I had just purchased my first house on a credit card in December of 1999, New Year's Eve. I bought my, so I broke into real estate in the 90s, literally by like six hours. And, wow. and I had, yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, I've been doing this since the 90s, I bought like <laughs> plus six hours, you know? And and so I, I had that house, I bought this house, this seminar in Florida, all excited, have literally tapes, like suitcase. I had to buy extra suitcases for the tapes. This is like pre-internet. That's almost. amazing. Yeah. And it was funny because I burned all the tapes out. And then I was like, and then now I'm mad because I had to throw them away because who has a tape player? So I ended up going out and buying another house. And then I had a third house and there was a self-sabotage where I was just analyzing and I was doing the work. I was learning how to plumb. I was falling off the roof, learning how to roof. And I was electrocuting myself. I mean, just doing all the normal stuff that you do as an idiot in, uh, investor. <laughs> and so I'm doing all this stuff. And in April, I played cash flow, And I was like, this is a cool game. I should do this financial statement for my own self. And I did it. And I was 30 days away from bankruptcy. Wow. And went, Holy crap. And so all of a sudden, I started calling everybody back because I was doing what they were saying at the seminar. I had the ads. I did all the stuff. People were calling me. And then I just wasn't calling them back. And instead of continuing down that path, I said, okay, 30 days from now, I am going to file chapter seven. Like I'm literally done. And so as soon as I did that statement, I went into motion. I called everybody back. Not only did I sell those three houses and have those gone, I bought eight more over the next 30 days, got rid of all of those. So I went from bleeding and dying and going bankrupt to 30 days from that personal financial statement. I had 11 houses and I was on my way to financial freedom and having more passive income. And keep in mind, I didn't have a bunch of cash. I bought that first house on a credit card. So this was just using my mind and the sense of like primal fear, I'm going to die financially. That's, that's yeah. a pretty good motivator. 
Totally. I've been there a hundred percent. When your back is against the wall and you have no other option, you either you get crushed or it brings out the best in you. And I think that's really powerful. I think about the story that you just shared. I mean, obviously that's a real story. That's your real background. And, and it almost brings up to me that awareness, you know, allowed you to really get clear on what were the next steps, right? What's the next action here? And so I'd be curious, I mean, like, what were you doing before you went to all those seminars, before you got the tapes, before you started realizing that maybe there was a new path for you? What were you doing before then? I had an insurance agency. I was maybe the youngest insurance agent that had his own agency with Farmers Insurance back in, in like 90, 98, 99. And I was, I was selling insurance. So I was doing this very old type of, you, you know, sell auto insurance, you sell some life insurance. And I was doing that. I think one of the problems is one, when I read Donald Trump's book, this is like pre-President Trump, I go, man, there's a lot of money in real estate. And so I'm doing this insurance thing and I see the guys that are selling a lot of insurance. And when the guys that were like me that I was modeling, making a million bucks a year after 20 years, I go, a million bucks a year, that's crap. I don't want, that's too little. This is the arrogance of a 20 year old. Like I need more than that. Totally. You're right. I read Trump's book. I should be making a billion a year because I'm that. <laughs> wow. So arrogance and ego, you can see where this is going to go. And so I started thinking about real estate after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and thinking about owning assets. So I said, you know what? Insurance isn't for me. But a part of that too is I think we all need to find work that allows us to create because I think we're meant to build things and create things. And with insurance, I didn't feel like I could really create. I felt like it was a system I was stamping out like a franchise and it wasn't allowing me to feed my soul and, and the desire to show up. Like however I show up with my art and business for me is art. The way that I build companies and things. If I'm a Picasso, it's in business. It's I can't paint worth a crap, but I can I can certainly build things in business and real estate. And and I needed to find that outlet. And if we don't find that outlet, I think we just live a, a, a life of quiet desperation, towing safely to death's door. And that's where most people are. We need to break out of that so that we actually have a life of fulfillment. That is so good. And I'll tell you that you're an artist. There's no doubt about it. I mean, what you've done, obviously, in, in helping people break free of financial bondage is a powerful thing. I just got to give you a huge shout out for that. But I also just think what you just said is extremely powerful. And I have to re-highlight people and human beings are designed to build and create. I think that's really, really important for every single listener here to really anchor that into your understanding where are you in that path, right? Where are you in feeding your soul and living a life of fulfillment? You know, sometimes I talk about fulfillment and sometimes I feel like it falls on death, death, death ears, not death ears, but because at the end of the day, like real estate and business and all of this is a vehicle just to create an outcome in your life. And of course, I don't know about you, Damien, but I love the process. I love the creation. I love the building. But at the end of the day, what is it creating as well? And who are we helping along that process? Does that resonate with you? It does. It, it, it actually fits perfectly in line with something that I call the peak life. It's something that I created. Like I didn't borrow this from anybody. We all borrow a lot of things. You, know, like you heard a quote. Now it's your quote. It's like, I, I, you didn't come up with that, man. That was freaking Jim Rohn 60 years ago. But at what, the peak life, it's, it's the, the, the P, which is the people in your life, the E, the environment, the other E is the experiences. And the C that's missing for most people is the contribution. They're like if I make a bunch of money, then I can have my environment. And maybe I can go on vacation. I can go see Italy or whatever it is. But they forget about the community, the connection, the people. They forget about investing in their, their family. And then the contribution gets, it's like, maybe at the end, I leave some money to a charity. And it's, you're missing one of the most important parts of your life. The contribution feeds your soul. And if you're not feeding your soul, I don't know what the point is. Like we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and people don't see it that way. And they wonder why they're like, they're hollow. And they're just like, it's missing. I got a lot of success. I made a lot of money. Got 14 houses, Tony Robbins. I mean, it's like, but... Tony has massive contribution. 
And when we think about investing, if you're just looking for the money, if you're if it's just the focus, you're going to lose. I'm telling you point blank, you're going to lose. It's not a winning formula. No, I, I could not agree more. And this is actually one of the things that really, I think, has begun our relationship so well is that I just get that sense from you is that you're a contributor. And and actually, you mentioned Tony Robbins a few times. I mean, I'm a huge fan, obviously. And, and he says the secret to living is giving, right? And that's what you're doing, right? Through your creation, through your art of business, you are contributing. And so, like, your mission is to help a million people free themselves from financial bondage. So talk to me a little bit about that and what does that mean? This really came up after I went through my big boom, made a bunch of money, many millions, and then I lost it, went from 20 million to negative 5 million. On the other side of that, I mean, after I didn't, after I pretended it didn't happen, which is like the denial phase of grief, I went, okay, well, that actually did happen. What am I going to do now? And you have to start asking, am I going to just learn some things and do the same stuff? Am I going to be a parrot? Like, what is this Groundhog Day? Or is there going to be a reinvention? So I did the normal thing. I, I wrote a book called Reinvented Life. And that was wow. me. <laughs> transforming. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? The best way to learn something is write a book about it. Try to clarify your thoughts. Then you realize you're a crazy person that doesn't know crap. You're like, Oh, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, nobody could understand this with a PhD. They couldn't understand what I'm writing. So on the other side of that, I said, well, what am I? I'm a teacher. And that's deeply important to me. It took two years in, in therapy with a, a coach. And he's, he's like, okay, what's true. That was the question for two years. What's true. And I was like, look, I'm a teacher, but I only feel good about teaching from experience, doing something and, and meanwhile, while this is this journey of reinvention and rethinking was going on, my dad got really sick. And I watched him his whole life talking about his visit to Someday Isle, the place that's not oh, on yeah. an aisle, but right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then one day I went to, I flew up to Alaska when he told me he was, he was stage four. And we sat down. It was the last conversation we had. He sat there and he looked at me and he said, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to do. And that hit me between the eyes. It like burned into my soul that he was sitting there. He was sharing regret for a life that wasn't lived. And I went, that is a, the biggest warning. I mean, I'm crying and I'm like, ah, and then I think about it. And, and I went, that he's telling me, don't do that. Don't do what I did. I'm not an example in this space. I'm, I'm a warning. And I said, okay, so what's the missing thing? And what I realized is that he had never really gone deep. He didn't go into a space of mastery on anything. And he was afraid of money. He didn't understand money. Money was used against him like it is most people. And I said, I bet I could do something about this to help people free themselves from this enslavement, this this jail, this Wall Street jail, and really give people options so that nobody has to have that conversation. It's hell on earth to have that conversation with anybody, especially a parent. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, that is, uh, thank you for sharing that story and condolences, obviously, in memory of your dad. But what a great um, reminder for all of us. I mean, you talk about the warning, right? And, and I know many of the listeners who are listening today can say, wow, I, I know people who have said the same thing. You know, you talk about the visit to the, the what did you say, the someday aisle, right? I mean, that to me is, that's really, really interesting. And I would say most people live there, right? And maybe it's a very high percentage. It's not just this slight majority. I mean, you're talking about an overwhelming majority of people. So I think what your work is so important. And so talk to me about that. I mean, you think about the financial bondage, like what is that, right? Beyond just the scaredness of money, or maybe that's a, a lack of resourcefulness around money, but what else is financial bondage? Well, I mean, financial bondage is really, it's inaction. It's it's sitting and just saying and waiting for something to happen. It's not taking control or even taking action or doing anything. It's just, and the whole system is set up to feed on that. When you think about traditional investing, what does that look like? It's a 401k at an employer and you basically just kind of throw a dart and you say, okay, I'm supposed to have this mix. And then you smoke a bunch of hopium and that's your plan. 
Like, I hope in 20 years, I'm going to have money here. And so I'm going to work. And then you wake up at 55, 60 years old and you look and you see if there's any money there. And the problem for that is the system is meant to feed on you. It's not meant to feed you. It's not meant to grow. I mean, that's, that's one of the things with my dad. I watched him and I looked at his resources and I was like, geez, he spent 20 years serving in the military in three different branches. And I looked at his stuff and I was, I was like, dude, you've got less than a hundred grand. How did this happen? How could you do that much to serve other people? And yet this is where you landed. The system is meant to grow. The Wall Street system is meant to grow. It's not meant to make anybody free. It's just not. Financial advisors in that system, in large part, are not meant to be your friend. They're meant to be your cheerleader to keep your money with them and in that system. So the bondage breaking is really empowering people that there are other options that you can control your money. You don't have to be stuck in that system and that you're smart enough to go do it. Because what Wall Street will do is tell you that you're too stupid to run your own money. And and here's the reality. Who's going to care about your money more than you? They care about the fees, but they don't care if you lose money. It doesn't make any difference to them. They're still going to get their one or two or three or 4%. And so you have to be willing to say, it's my life. It's I'm going to own it. It's my responsibility. No more blaming, justifying, being a victim kind of nonsense, which is what we're trained to be. Yeah. And it's almost like, it seems to me like the basis of it is just a lack of financial intelligence. Is there anything else that you would say? I mean, that's that seems to me the core and the foundation of this. It, it is. It's not taught in our systems. And to be fair, most parents that would teach their kids anything don't know anything because how would they know? So it just perpetuates itself. And the problem now is that we're becoming more and more uh, entitled people. We all feel like victims. Like there's this identity politics. Everybody's a victim because everybody has a different identity that's been crushed and repressed for the last 2000 years. And so we're all saying we were owed something. You're not owed crap except a fair playing field. That's it. This idea of equity that we've heard from our current vice president makes me crazy that all of a sudden we're meant to all be in the same place because some people have started off. I started off poor. I have no college education. I got thrown out of college and I just kept driving. By the way. Thank you. You're like, (laughs) what language is that? Is that pigeon? Like, what is he talking there? But I mean, I didn't get a hand up or I mean, yes, I'm in America. So I guess it's an ultimate handout. Because it's like Lucky Sperm Club. People say, did you win the lottery? I'm like, yeah, I was born in America. And if you're born in America and you have an excuse, you're an idiot. I firmly believe that. It's like, what? what is your... And it doesn't mean America is on the, the right path. I think we have, we're doing some things. We're going in the socialist, communist direction. But there's still people that are dying to get here. Why is that? Because you can choose to create a life here. There's no caste system. I hear people sometimes talk about that, especially, unfortunately, in the South. And I think they're kidding. And they go, no, 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 this is, this is the limit of my life. And I go, where, where are you, India? Like, seriously? Like, get a grip. You can make it whatever you want. It's totally up to you. But people have been beaten down into a place where they think, well, this is, this is my life. And it's not true. Your life is your choice. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I think about like the, the greatest resource is resourcefulness, right? We all have that. We're all unlimited in terms of our creativity and our resourcefulness. And it's just about our beliefs, right? If we don't believe that something's possible, well, then there's no doubt it's not going to be possible. It's not going to be your reality. And so we've all got to check in. Well, what is our belief system and what seeds have been planted, whether it's by our government, whether it's by our media, whether it's by the people we surround ourselves with? What else would you say about that, Damon? I would say the last thing you said is the most important thing. The people that we surround ourselves with make all the difference because we there's a, there's a primal instinct in our brain. It's about people being around us. It's about tribes. It's instincts so that we're not picked off by things that are going to eat us if we're on the edges. So we want to be around people that are like us. And so if you think about it, and this quote's been abused and used all over the place, but you're literally the average of everything in your life by the five people that are around you. So I'm talking about your money, how much money you have, how much you make, your health, your integrity, how honest you are. 
Just look at those five people around you and you are the average of everything. And so one of the fascinating things when you see people that make, say, $500,000 a year, they tend to keep making 500000 There are certain people that tend to make $2 million a year and they keep making $2 million. You know who those people hang out with? People that are making $2 million a year. And it's all normalized. It's a tribal thing. Part of it is survival. We do the things to make sure that we stay amongst the tribe so we don't get eaten. If you can feed your primal instincts, it's a lot easier than fighting your primal instincts and saying, I'm just going to be the only one making a million bucks a year and all my friends are making 50. They're going to try to pull you back into their thing because they're safer if you're in the thing. We have to really understand our brain and how it's working against us and then start to flip that so that it's working for us. Those primal instincts will drive us. I mean, like I thought I was going to bankrupt. My primal instinct said, you're going to die. You're going to starve to death. I took unbelievable action because I thought something was about to eat me. That's so powerful. I think about, obviously it is an overused quote. It is an overused adage, but it's so true and it's so powerful. And it's such an important reminder that we've always got to check in. Who are we spending our time with, right? Who Because who you spend your time with, it's almost subconscious. I don't know about you, Damien, but sometimes it's like, maybe I spend time with you and I'm like, man, I'm really up-leveling my thinking because of just something that's in the ether. I have no idea, but are there any practical tips that you might suggest to the listeners who are maybe taking a mental check of their surroundings and their their tribe and they're saying, wait a minute, maybe I, maybe I need to make some adjustments here. Is there any practical tips you might give them? Yeah. I mean, the, when, when you ask me, well, how people describe you, they'd also describe me at ruthlessness around the truth. And so if you want to up your life, up your... And really, what we don't want to do is get to the end of our life and go, oh man, I left something on the table. Like we want to go holy crap, that was spectacular. And the last breath is, wow, that's it. I mean, that's like the whole point where it's everything. We should be gauging ourselves and judging ourselves compared to our potential, not to anybody else. So the practical tip is, and this is going to seem really mean. So for any of the snowflakes out there, you should probably turn this off right now. You're so mean, gosh. Feelings are going to be hurt right now. Score everybody in your life. Put everybody down, put not just the five, put the, put the top 10, 15, 20 people. Don't do more than that because it'll get overwhelming. But put those people down on one side of a sheet of paper and then to the right, have columns and have not just how much money they have, how much money they make, how honest are they? How free are they? Do they travel? Do they have great? Do they have a great love relationship? And then score it on a level of one to 10 on every one of those things. Spend some time doing this. You'll be, you'll be amazed. You're like, oh man, well, my love relationship sucks. Well, maybe I should hang out with people that actually have great ones. that are good models that I would become more like. I'd become a better man, a better husband, a better father if I was around better husbands and better fathers, because I would start to do things that were normalized. And if you start scoring, numbers give you clarity. If you're just in the ether of, well, yeah, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. You're probably terrible. You say you're pretty good because you don't want to score it. Are you a 10? If you're not a 10, why? What would it take to become a 10? And it's not to get to 10. It's the process of moving towards it because it's moving in a positive direction. It's the momentum that you're going after. Yeah, it's always what's the next action, and and uh, it's never perfection, but it's always progress. And I just think that's so powerful. It seems like mindset is really important to you, Damien. And uh, could you expand upon that a little bit, and maybe some other hacks that you have really undertaken in your life to really elevate your mindset? In terms of mindset, one of the most important things is being conscious of your words. When I hear people say yeah, one of the one of the worst words you can come out of your mouth is the word "try," and I, I'm like, oh, try is a mindset of I've already. I've already decided I'm going to fail. Yeah, I probably I just, won't get there. <laughs> right. It's like, I, I'm either not going to do the work or I don't believe in it. I don't trust in it. When I hear people say, well, I hope I get there. I'm like, just shut your mouth. You're being an idiot and you're, you're like oozing toxicity on me. So I hate try. I hate 
I hate hope, either do or don't. And it's like, I think Yoda said that, do or do not, there is no try, right? Like Yoda's pretty smart, little green dude. And <laughs> I think that we need to think about that. Those are the hacks because the words you say are going back into your brain. And so I call people out when I'm around them. I'm like, really? Hope? What do you, are you doing it or not? Try. Don't tell me you're going to try to do something. Either commit to doing it or don't say anything. And those things will get you to a place where you're focused on outcomes, not just in word usage or wasting time. Like you really understand your target and then you get creative. You'd mentioned it earlier about like the pivoting or the resourcefulness. And when you commit to something, when commitment happens, there's a great poem. It's all sorts of divine providence happens when you commit. But until you commit, nothing happens. And so hope and try are the, it's the opposite of a hack. You're literally hacking your potential, like not good. But when oh. you, when you commit to something, that's the difference. When you commit and, and you're like, you're, you become obsessed and love them or hate them. It's a great book. Be obsessed or be average. Boba, Grant Cardone. If you're not obsessed about whatever matters in your life, your business, your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, your, your contribution, if you're not obsessed about it, something's missing. We need obsession. We need something that matters so much to us that we're almost like a feral cat. And your obsession is really helping other people break free from that financial bondage. One of the things I find to be so important and so interesting is money mindset. We're just talking about mindset, but mindset around money as well. You were talking about people with a lack of a belief that maybe they can, you know, earn more or they can break free of this, or maybe they just have no awareness of really any financial intelligence. So maybe that's the foundation that we started with. But could you talk a little bit about the importance of money mindset as well? I think a lot of people carry on the the, the anchors and the albatross from their past. And so they say, well, my basically what happens is their future is going to be their past. It's going to be representative. Part of the one of the things that people do is they say, well, my goal is to increase whatever. It's it's to increase my income or my assets by five or ten or twenty percent. That's my goal for this year. Bad goal. It's like, well, how could you say that, Damien? How could you actually say that's a bad goal? Because it allows you to take your past and keep dragging it along. Because you can, it's easy to work harder and make twenty percent more. My question is. How do you make three times what you made last year? And all of a sudden you're like, well, I got to disrupt my thinking. I've got to disrupt my money mindset. I got to disrupt my, my connections, how I think the technology I'm using. And so money mindset, when we use incremental change, our brains like it because biologically we're very linear. Like we don't evolve that fast. But when you want to exponentially change because the world is exponentially changing, if you want to do that, you've got to go and say, okay, well, I'm going to use logarithmic growth. It's going to be three or five or 10 times bigger. Like Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. What does he talk about? He says, if you have a three-year goal, make it a six-month goal. And then you're like, oh, well, how could I do that? Okay, instead of going and saving money, I'm going to learn how to borrow money. I'm going to learn how to raise money. I'm going to have a big mission so people get excited about being a part of it. So then I've got the leverage of other people's time. It changes everything when you start thinking bigger. There's, a, there's, I think it's Schwartz, Thinking Big, or there's a book about- Yeah, The Magic big. of Thinking Big, yeah. Magic of Thinking Big. And that's, with money, there's a reason that you think big. It's not, more is not better. Let me tell you, when I used to think this, oh, if I have a million, two million is better. If I have two, five is better. And I kept doing that. And then I basically was working myself into the Mayo Clinic and I thought I was going to die because I was killing myself. More isn't better. More is more. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not. The point of more when you're thinking about your thinking is that it stretches you to tap into resources that you could never tap into if you thought about your past and it was an incremental change in your future. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. 
This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. And because it's about who you expand to become, right? I mean, that's what I've found. It's like, it's more so the game and the transformation of yourself as a, as a part of that process and how you contribute as a part of that process as well. Does that resonate with you, Damien? That's exactly what it is. It is who you are and who you, there, it's an interesting thing to be around people. One of the, the fun things is being around people that are super wealthy and just seeing how they show up, how they think, how they talk, and they embody things. It's funny because you can see people that have 20, 50, $100 million that are cheap, insecure, just evil people. And you can see people that have a few million and they're so generous and they're so charitable and they're so loving and they're so contributing. And so it's really about the being. One of the, one of the hacks, practical technique that will freak many people out, not necessarily snowflakes, just everybody that's been trained that you give after you get, which is the wrong thing. It's the opposite. You give and then guess what? Getting happens. So one of the things I love doing is taking 20s, 50s, and 100s and just randomly giving them to people. You know, you get a $2 copy and you give somebody a 20 or a 50. Why do you do that? Well, one, it's fun to see people get freaked out. They're like, oh my God. Like <laughs> giving somebody a hundred bucks for a latte is one of the funnest things. You almost get, a, it, it'll make you uncomfortable to do these type of things. So for me, it's fun. And you know what? You're actually opening yourself up and you're trusting in the universe providing. And so all of a sudden, watch what happens when you start becoming generous. It's, there's a flow that happens. It's a circulation. The universe says, okay, you're, you're a good steward and, and you're part of the contribution and the creation. And so you just watch what happens. Most people say, well, when I make a million or when I get rich, then I'm going to be able to do it. And I'm like, no, nah. it's like looking at a fireplace and saying, when this thing gets me some heat, I'll put some wood in there. That's not how it works. You got to put the wood in, you got to grow the tree, you got to harvest it. And then it gives you some heat. So putting that stuff in the right order, becoming generous, the act of doing that and the shift in who you are, the way that you'll, you'll also be just happier. Think about how much anger there is. Every media channel is about anger, fear, and just and the wrongness that triggers our primal instincts to react to things. This is the opposite of that. And it's way better for everything, society, your family, your health, everything. Yeah. The way of being, I mean, that to me really, really resonates. I think about the law of circulation and, you know, I think of like just the way that our earth spins on the axis and it spins around the sun. And there's all these natural things that happen in the universe that are really circular. And you think about like a garden hose as an example, is it kinked or is it 
flowing? You know, what's flowing and does it come back to you in the form of precipitation? I just think that's such a valuable metaphor for us to all consider, but the energy, right? It's about the energy of who you are and the energy of what, you know, other people experience when they're around you. That's how it comes back to you. And it's not because of that, but it's just this byproduct. What else do you do to really open up your energy? Because you do have this energy of just generosity and giving and fun and playfulness, but also intensity and fearlessness. And I don't know, I don't know if I would say recklessness, but you're also, you're just, you're just ready to break things, but also for the greater good. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a breaking to build. It's some people just like, they just break things. (laughs) They want to go out there and be destructive and there's destructive creation or there's different ways to approach that. I like to go find things that are stodgy and it's like the financial system. It's very, very slow and, and it just, it feeds on things. I don't like it and it's done well for itself. So I like to be, to be a part of the creation of something that actually serves people. And so I'm constantly thinking about that. And so it's, I spend a lot of time thinking. I think there's a lost art in thinking. I just sit and I think, and I think on paper and I'm thinking and I have all these notes that are all over the place. And sometimes I never look at them again, but what's happening is it's getting this stuff out of me. And sometimes I'm a a conduit. I, I feel like whether it's the universe or God, there's a flow through me and it comes out. And sometimes I see something and I go, where did that come from? Wasn't from me. And so you can start thinking, this is where I say that we're spiritual beings having a human experience if you open a channel, if you're actually present enough and still enough, and that's the strategy, you've got to be willing to practice the art of stillness and silence. And that might be for a few minutes. It might be for hours, whatever it is, whether this is meditation or prayer or simply sitting still and watching a bird. Like, I don't care what it is. Most people are too busy chasing shiny objects like a bunch of drunk squirrels. Yeah. And, you know, you think about stillness, it's just, I actually asked a, um, an individual who's an expert on leadership recently, you know, how do the best leaders think? And he said, well, first of all, they think, right? You know, it's like, what a concept. Spending time in thought and being still and letting that, you know, greater power speak through you and be a conduit through you is so powerful. But, you know, one of the things that you have done as being a creator, and obviously you talked about the financial system and being, you know, a self-serving sort of entity or body, but you're kind of breaking that in, in your own way. Obviously you created EQRP. So could you talk a little bit about that and what that means and what that's all about? Here's the, the thing that the reason the EQRP was born, why it came about, was that people, most of people's wealth is in a retirement account. You have money and people have money and equity in their house, but you're not going to eat your equity. Like you're still going to need to live somewhere. So really, most people are like, okay, I got social security and I've got a 401k. And, and the problem is you're just sitting there hoping that the casino doesn't screw you uh, too much because it's going gonna, it's gonna to hack you and blend you. But that sounds like a Dexter episode. But, <laughs> it does. <laughs> but what I realized is that there's a lot more options. When I started studying this a decade ago, there's a lot more options that are out there and choices, but people, they don't know about them because the system has told them, here's what you're supposed to do. The system is telling you what you should do to help benefit the system. So the EQRP was built, when I built that, it was built from the ground up to give people choice, to give them, to empower them, whether they're by themselves, they're like, okay, I left a job and I've got a couple hundred thousand in a 401k, or whether somebody has 50 people in their company and they're like, this sucks. I got this 401k and I got all this money, it's stuck. Now there's an option for people to actually control that money and invest in real things, not just paper, but like real like apartments, like cryptocurrency, like physical gold, like notes, like all these things. And no financial advisor or Wall Street is ever going to tell you, oh yeah, you can take your stuff. Why? Because they're not going to be able to fee you to death. And this is about taking the power away from that system, that centralized system and decentralizing it, putting the power in people's hands, just like crypto is doing, like DeFi is doing. It's a shift of power and control. And for people that are self-responsible, 
the EQRP is the only thing that makes any sense once they find out about it. Everything else is, is about being a victim. So now when people take that control back, obviously they are the masters of their domain. They are the victors, not the victim, and they get to make the choice, but it comes down to being educated. It comes down to having an understanding of what's actually happening in the landscape. And you look across the landscape and there's winds flying in every different direction, right? Because it's a very complex time, right? And the global economy that we live in is very complicated, but it comes down to education. So I would actually love to know what are you seeing on the landscape? I mean, where where do you see everything going and where do you see some of the greatest opportunities now and into the near future? So right now we're, we're in a space where there's so much money and it's I call it smart money and dumb money simultaneously chasing every asset that's out there. And you can see this, whether it's apartments or it's the stock market, there is so much money that's been printed. And I love the when the government says inflation is 1.5 or 2%, and I'm laughing, I was like, have you seen lumber? It's 115% higher in the last year. Have you seen soy, corn, gold, Bitcoin? everything. So the, the landscape is all this money is going to create unbelievable inflation. And the ultimate terrible thing for a central bank is deflation. They're going to do everything they can, which is called printing to death. So now you have smart money, like sophisticated institutional money that's chasing stuff and they'll pay because they have to plant the money. They'll pay in, in new cap rates and yields that are like two, three, four percent So how does a human being, a normal person compete with that? So you have to speculate or you got to find something else. Then you have dumb money that says, I'll take anything. And so it goes out and, and buys. And so you're in this market, the opportunity I see is, is for businesses. It's for creating businesses that it's like when you look at the gold rush in California, you know who made all the money? The miners. The miners were doing something called laundry. And so you had people that, so they had to buy Levi's and they had to get stuff washed. And a lot of the, the laundromats would then take the water and they would mine that water and they ended up with gold dust, but they were also doing services. They were providing clothing and laundry. Most of those miners ended up making money, losing the money back to zero. And who got really wealthy were the services. And that's the, I see that as the opportunity now. It's services and being in front of this financial transformation that's happening with DeFi. There's a massive decentralization of all the financial systems. So you got to look into the future a little bit. Most people are so exhausted. They're like, I'm just trying to keep up with my life. I get that. But it's going to also run over you if you're not spending a little time because it's happening. It's coming. And truly, there is an opportunity. People are struggling trying to find deals. And I get it. It's because a lot of people and a lot more money is going after those things. What they're not going and doing is looking for problems. Go find problems, solve the problems, build a business around that, build a mission that's focusing through that problem and watch what happens. That's where the opportunity is, I see globally. That is so good, by the way. I mean, you just really, I mean, you took three minutes right there and really explained everything that's going on. So I would highly encourage the listener to go back and listen to that again and really wrap your mind around exactly what's happening. I just think that's such a powerful metaphor as well. And talking about the gold rush and thinking about, well, my guess to your question was the miners. And it's funny that you, what you mentioned and you think about it now and it's like, let's take a step back and look at history and take a realization of what maybe it's, it has nothing to do with the landscape that we have right now, but it's a great example to say, okay, well, in this circumstance, how can we apply that thinking here? And so I think it's really, really powerful. And I think about, okay, well, if you're saying that we're maybe we're shifting to a decentralized system, maybe financially or or otherwise, and you've got all these things happening, whether it's inflation or deflation or what have you, right? And it's like, whoa, winds flying in opposite directions. So how can I serve other people? So at the end of the day, what you're saying is identify a position in the landscape and in the marketplace to offer a solution to folks who can't figure out left from right. Is that what you're saying, Damien? 
Yeah. And then if you just look around, start off with the things that bug you when you go out and about things that you're like, I hate this. Okay. There's probably other people that hate it too. So how could you fix it? And when you start looking for problems, not to bitch about, but to actually solve, there's unbelievable economic opportunity. I think in the beginning, there was good intentions by Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook to connect people. Now, I just think it's a system to feed on people and just like really manipulate people. But in the beginning, it was, okay, well, people are losing track of each other and we're trying to make create these friendships. And, and so that's that's useful. There's a lot of tech around that. People are developing all sorts of systems to take all the fat out of insurance and banking and lending and all these things that have been really, really hard to work with because systems control them. There's a shift to where if you're creative, you go, what's a problem? One of the problems is borrowing. I mean, just think about it. It's not very seamless. It's very hard. And it doesn't, doesn't mean it hap- doesn't happen. But there are people that are innovating and making lending very easy, very fast, and creating an opportunity for the couple billion people that are not banked in the world, that don't have an identity with blockchain. There's all these things, these solutions to solve problems. And if you really want to become financially wealthy, find a way to serve a million or a billion people. If you're saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go cut my neighbor's lawn, you're not really making an impact on the world, partly because the grass is going to grow again. So like, <laughs> that doesn't really solve the problem. But if you think, okay, how could I do something bigger? And it Sometimes you just have to let go of this immediacy, this need around making money just to survive. You got to get out of the survival mode and you say, well, what could I do? Could I create a business that automates something that, that brings people together to at networks? Networks are the most powerful thing that are being built that are, everything is being built on networks. So how could you build a network? How could you become a part of a network, a thought leader in a network? If you think about it from that perspective, all of a sudden you stop worrying about trying to go get something that has a seven cap or whatever. Like it really changes it because you become more valuable to everybody else. Okay. So that's really good. So like most of the people who listen to the show would consider themselves to be high performing real estate investors. And maybe they have a desire to be even higher performing. But what you're saying is open your perspective because you don't have to just pigeonhole yourself. You can do that. Of course, you can continue to grow. You can serve other people. You can provide opportunities, but there's so many other things. And so let's think about how everything's evolving so rapidly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And one of the things, the mistakes I see people making is trying to figure out how to get a piece of everything. They're constantly trying to take And I'm like, look, there's a value exchange. When you're giving, there is something that happens. You mentioned it's called circulation. It's a natural reciprocity. Cialdini talks about it in his book. We naturally want to reciprocate things. I think you just have to stop trying to figure out how to get a piece of everything. Like my favorite relationships are not necessarily the ones where people are paying back and forth. It's the ones where we just can't help but giving people and, and introducing people back and forth all the time because we just love the relationship there's more wealth created than that than there ever will be in affiliate fees or anything. And I think people get really stuck trying to figure out how they're going to make $500 from this or $12 from this. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're never going to be free making $40 here and $50 there. You got to go deep into something. If you go deep into the relationships with the networks and figure out how to serve people and find people that are worthy of that, then you start building things based on trust. Building things based on trust is where true wealth and freedom is. And everything just kind of happens from there. Damien, you're a goldmine, my friend. Oh my goodness. So you're like, you are in my, and I would say, obviously the inner guru in you is coming out right now, right? In this conversation, like you're, you're really shining just because you're just authentic. Like this is not like a prepared speech or anything like that. This is just a great conversation, but you've talked about how every human being has that inner guru. So what do you really mean by that? We have truths and we have understandings and we have authenticity that we we suppress or we think, I think a lot of people, when people come to me and they say, okay, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. And most of the time that I help them with their map called a millionaire action plan blueprint, we build something. And oftentimes it's really just giving them clarity on what's right in front of them and then borrowed confidence. 
So the best coaches and the best mentors, they give you, they, you get to leverage off of their confidence and, and you're, you're not quite certain, but then they're certain and you go, okay, well, I'm trusting you and I get that. I'm certain of that. That's the value in having those people around you is, is that you get to borrow the confidence and the clarity. So the two C's that add onto the circulation and, and then you've got crystal you know, certainty around your future. So you have to start thinking about everything you're doing and how it's either detracting or improving your life. And that's, that's one of those things. If you're not clear, if you're not certain, you're going to hesitate. And that's where other people's perspective, like people say all the time, well, I've got, you know, I've got people. I go, you've got people. And they're like, yeah, because I ask if people have coaches or mentors. And I go, who's your people? And they're like, well, my cousin or my neighbor. And I'm like, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you, they're going to love on you. But they're not going to tell you that, that you know, you need, you need to lose 100 pounds. You're going to have a heart attack. They're not going to tell you that you need to step up and stop being lazy and watch football five days a week. They're just not going to say it. You've got to be, you've got to be willing to take a pill of the truth. It's like going into the matrix. And, and we all get to choose whether we do that or not. It's truly a choice. Most of us don't want to go there because it's painful to move through it. Once you move through it, though, there's no going back. And there's, there's actually a totally different life on the other side. So to get it, that inner, inner guru, first of all, it's to have someone who's going to be truthful to you, right? Someone who's going to maybe hold your feet to the fire, hold, you know, really make you uncomfortable. Is there anything else that you would say? Yeah. The, the, the person that's next to you or in front of you or, be, or whatever, that's, they're asking you a question. They're asking, what is true? This is the question that, that my coach and therapist asked me for two years before he fired me. He fired me because he said, you're done. Go, like, go off into the, the woods. Like, you're ready. And I was like, you got this. You yeah, like, oh, this is cool. I got to flap your wings, bro. <laughs> Pretty much. Just like kick me out of the nest. I had to figure it out before I splatted. And I was like, all right. So the question that I'll ask anybody and that a great coach and mentor will ask is, what is true? And we should all trust is that we know the truth if we're honest with ourselves. If we're going to tell ourselves a lie, then we're screwed. Like your inner guru is your truth that you acknowledge. Instead of telling yourselves lies that make you feel good or to try to prove something to somebody else, when you actually look in the mirror and you tell yourself the truth, that's your inner guru. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, it's so powerful because you know it's true. Every single person listening to this, they know what that is. If they spend some time in thought, right? If they give themselves some stillness, if they maybe write a little bit and, you know, you don't have to stick to your notes and really review all your notes all the time and come go back. But it's about letting that flow through you and really getting an understanding of what that really is. So I think that's so, so powerful. Damien, this conversation is amazing. Before I want to transition into our rapid fire section, I, I've got to ask you about designing a decade because you've you've outlined five steps into designing a decade. And we've really talked about so much of this today already, but could you allude to the five steps really quickly? That's awesome. Now, now I'm like, it's, it's, this is the rapid fire where Damien gets stumped the, the five, the five pieces. I'll, I'll tell you one of the most powerful one. And then there's, there's a whole program I did. Cause sometimes I just feel like these ideas have to be a program. So I, I recorded this thing and put it on YouTube and it was a decade by design. And there's the first thing that you have to be willing to do is purging. And it's like literally blank slating your life. And this is probably the one that freaks people out the most because I'm talking about purging everything that shouldn't be there. I'm talking about the environment you're in. Are you in the wrong house, the wrong city? Are you in the wrong job? Do you need to purge assets? Do you have bad apartments that are bleeding you? Do you have employees? Do you have partners? Do you have a spouse that you need to purge? You can't purge your kids. Like that's just not cool. No, most, mostly unless, you know, sometimes, I mean, this is pretty brutal, but like if you have a kid that's, it's a meth head and doesn't want to change, it could take you and your whole family down. So you have to be willing to be honest about what needs to be purged. And sometimes that is, it sucks. But if you don't do it, it's a cancer. And I'm talking about anything, your environment, the people, the investments, the job. 
people go, I, I can't change because I got this job. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today and we were talking about where, you know, what options people have. Could could so-and-so move to Puerto Rico and not pay taxes? You know, and some people say yes, some people say no. And I say, well, if you can purge your life, if you can make the choice, who can't make a choice? I mean, it's always it's a choice for humans. We have a frontal lobe. We're not just like reptiles, right? We, we actually have this thing for decision-making. And so purging is the step that if you can't get past that, it doesn't really make any difference for any of the other stuff, the clarity, the, the bridge, figuring out what you need to get from A to B, all that stuff. If you can't purge your stuff, then your past is going to become your future. And so that's why you have to start there. And it's the hardest thing. You start with a big rock. The big rock is purging. All the other stuff, it's like the rocks and the pebbles and the sand and the water. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look that up on the internet. But it's you got the big rock is the purge purging the extra weight in your life. And I'm talking maybe your own weight. Like I did the fifth, the COVID 15, like I went and I somehow 15 pounds landed on me. And so that's part of my purge right now. It's getting rid of this extra 15. It's not okay anymore. And I'm clear about it. And so I'm being obsessed about this and we all have to figure out what we should be obsessed with and get rid of it. The stuff that doesn't fit into our future. There's a constant course correction as well, right? I mean, it's not like you design the decade and then you're set and then, you know, 10 years goes by and you make no changes. What you're saying is you might need to make a big purge at this moment and get an understanding of what are the big rocks and what are the pebbles and what are the sand to really fit in because you want to get clear on what are you really actually creating. But then it's about, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to go back and notice that maybe the COVID-15 has come here and maybe I need to purge again. Is that what you're saying? I, I am. And, and that 10 years, one of the reasons for the 10 years, a decade by design is because you can create anything like literally and people go, anything. And I'm like, well, I, you may not be able to go from where you are to Mars. Probably not. But <laughs> if we're not talking about Mars and Elon and Jeff, those guys will get figured that out. But pretty much anything else, if you say, well, I'm basically homeless right now and I want to have a private jet in 10 years, there is a way to do that. If you say, I want to do that in six months, then you've been listening to Mark Cuban talk about selling broadcast.com. And you're like, no, that's not, you're going to blow yourself up. It's like this lady that came to me, sister of the girl that was working for me 15 years ago. And she said, I want to be financially free. And I said, congratulations. That's great. What are you dealing with? She said, I got 50,000 bucks. And I said, okay. I mean, that's like 8 billion times more than my negative 6,000 when I bought my first house. So you're, you're doing good. And what do you want to do? She said, 5,000 a month, passive income. And I said, totally doable. How long are you giving yourself? She said, six months. I'll give it a year, but I need, you know, like no more than a year. And I said, I guarantee you in a year, you and I are going to be talking and you and your money are going to be split. There's going to be a divorce. It's because she wasn't giving herself enough time because we way overestimate what we can do in a short period and we way underestimate the long period. So 10 years, you just dream. It doesn't matter. Like if you, if you want to save a nation in 10 years, like whatever it is, you can truly think big and 10 years is enough time. That's why it's a decade by design. It doesn't matter what it is. You can absolutely do it because you'll have this compounding effect over those 10 years that you won't get in six or 12 months. It's not, networks and trust aren't built in six or 12 months. They're built over years. Networks that are trusted compound and all sorts of amazing things comes from them. But you have to be a, a farmer. If you just say, I'm going to go sell really hard. I'm going to just like attack and kill things. Cool. You're also going to starve in the winter because you're going to have a bunch of nothing. You got to start thinking like a farmer that's building an orchard out of dirt. It doesn't happen in a year, but in 10 years, you have fruit forever. And I'll tell you what, you're planting the seeds in the minds of the listeners today that are going to germinate for their future. And obviously for the trust that, you know, we all have with you and, and growing, uh, you know, I just really love this conversation, Damien. This is amazing. I want to transition to our rapid fire section. I call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about really the type of conversation that we've had today. It's about 
purging. It's about understanding, well, who is my tribe and what do I need to do to rank them? And what's the you know ranking of one to 10 between all of these different categories and so many of the different things that we've talked about today, Damien. I would love to know if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Mastery and Principles. And the reason being, if you don't have a life based on principles, you have a life of chaos that can go in any direction. You'll get pulled by anything that's shiny or has a grip and you won't be able to fight back. You won't even know which direction makes sense or which is true. So principles matters. This is Ray Dalio's book. The other one, mastery is incredibly powerful because I part of this is seeing my dad, not going deep. There's eight trillion different options now. Like I said, we are a bunch of drunk squirrels chasing shiny nuts and it's it's and we go wide. We just chase all these different things. Mastery isn't about becoming the best at that thing, although that's part of the process. It's about who you become when you focus. And in martial arts, I've studied martial arts for 20 something years. And the guy that wrote the book Mastery, this is the book by George Leonard, not Robert Greene. Mm. In Mastery, there's this thing called plateauing and where you you just, it feels like for months, sometimes years, nothing is happening. Happens in investing, in martial arts, you're just doing the same thing over and over. You're like, man, this sucks. Like I am not getting anywhere. And then one day, boom, wow, that was easy. Like I didn't even do anything. It just happened. Same thing happens in real estate. Same things happens in business. You're going, you're going, you're on the path. And then one day it just pops. You're like, that was so easy. Like an extra million dollars just showed up. Like what just, it was because you were willing to commit to the journey of mastery and you weren't just trying to get something. It's almost like you're showing the universe your defiant commitment, right? And you're getting rewarded for that over time. The the universe conspires with us or against us. You have to really decide. If you're committed, you get a conspiracy with. If if you're not committed, you get a conspiracy against. It's not going to... It's like being a good fiduciary of wealth. Wealth compounds. The universe, it it happens. It continues to grow. But if you're a bad fiduciary, you're not going to have anything. Like that is 100% consistent over time. That is what... That's how it works. Damien, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Sleep. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's really funny. I've been reading a book called um, Why We Sleep and and just being really mindful. A lot of people think that there's some type of uh, like golden badge or something for not sleeping. And, and I know like with Hal Elrod's Morning Miracle, a lot of people, I think they did something that they shouldn't be doing. They're like, oh, I'm going to get up an hour earlier. I'm going to cut the sleep out. And what they're doing is they're screwing up all their hormones and it's not really benefiting you if you're getting up an hour earlier, but then you're messing your entire endocrine system up. And like, this is a problem. So truly sleeping and then being very mindful about it, making sure you have the right dark room, you have the right temperature, you're, you're not drinking a bunch of alcohol, like all these things. It's funny. People are like, that's the best thing you got? I'm like, yeah, because if you don't get that right, everything else will fall apart. 100% guaranteed. If you don't get your sleep right, your life is toast. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I read that book too. And I, one of the things that a lot of people will say is, well, I'm, I'm just one of those people who only needs five hours or six hours or whatever. And what he says in that book is that like 99.9 or I don't know what percentage is a very high percentage of people and human beings require at least seven hours of sleep. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Are there any other habits that have been really important for you as you've continued to be more of a master in, in just everything that you do? I think the, the, the habit and the, the rhythm around being connected to natural systems, and, and for me, that's, that's nature. It's, it's hard, harder when you're in, a, in an urban environment. I think that there's something just valuable about being connected to things that are completely raw and authentic. And you know, whether this is your dog, which is pretty raw and authentic, or it's sitting there being connected. Like I sit there and I watch these baby birds outside of my office. Maybe there's a dad. There's at least one aggressive as F bird flying around <laughs> protecting these little birds. And to me, there's just a truth and an honesty and a kindness and this compassion. And it, it really frames everything. So finding how you can connect to that in some form is incredibly useful in calming things down. 
It's like no matter what's happening on social media or the news or your family, when you just see the random raccoon literally walking by or and some of you are like, there is no raccoon, but there's a crazy gang that goes by. I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of, sometimes the same thing. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think that there's a value in in finding nature's honesty and being a part of it, being connected to it. Just being in its presence can change and calm everything in your life down. Yeah. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Damien? Uh, I make them crazy because I push them as hard as I can to find their potential. And it's and it's it's funny because years ago, I remember this is sort of, I don't think I've ever shared this, but I had this streak where I was dating and I would go on these dates and I would just end up pissing off all these girls. And then I get a message like six months or a year later. And it's like, you really made me mad, but then it made me think. And then I changed, I quit my job. I did this. And I was like, great. <laughs> like, I'm like a dating personal development system. It's, it's very weird. And it, it's a it was, program. <laughs> it was like, I could, I, you know, should have been on, on match.com putting, it's also 1995 per month for me to push you. To, <laughs> you will be transformed. <laughs> this is transformation, man. This isn't like a future husband. This is your, this is your life, man. We're going to like transform you. And so I, that I can't help it because it's who I am. So when you're around me, I'm not going to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your idiocy is a good thing. I'm going to say you are an idiot. And, and here's, here's an idea. And then I'm going to ask a question because I'm going to try to pull that. I'm well, I'm going to try, I'm going to pull the guru out and we'll see what you do with it. I truly believe that my job is to help people see what's already there because people do have it. People, we have it. We know we just don't do. And sometimes it's a matter of somebody putting it in front of us. And then we go, okay. And then encouraging us and supporting us and, and believing in us. When you think about back in time, the people that really believed in us, if there's somebody that really believed, you never forget, you never forget the person. And it doesn't matter if it's when you're a kid or right now, because your coach is like, or you're somebody just really, be, they believe more in your thing than you do, which is exhausting by the way. So if you don't start believing in your thing, as much as that other person, they can't do it it'll stop. You have to step up and believe with them. And I believe in people and I'm like, you got you to join me. It's your life. But if you don't join me, I can't keep doing it for you. I can't carry you and carry your life. You step up and I'm with you. Man, I'll tell you what, this past hour spending spent with you is absolutely elevating me. It's, it's elevating my commitment. It's elevating everyone who's listening to this conversation. I know is really inspired right now and really ready to push themselves further. And I want to challenge everybody who's listening to this to listen to that call and to take action on that immediately because, man, this is the time, right? This is the time and everything is possible if you believe it's possible. Damien, what an amazing conversation. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? It's the same thing that I would tell myself if I went back 20 years. And it, it was to go out there and, and make the mistakes as fast as you can. Because unless you, like I grew up in Alaska and I've been to Africa. And so in, in Alaska, the last job I had was in the Arctic Circle where there were polar bears. And if I make a mistake there, they eat me. Same with Africa. You make a mistake there, the lion eats you. If you're not in Africa or Alaska, you're not going to be eaten by anything, even though your primal brain says you might be eaten with a mistake. So mistakes kill you in Alaska and Africa often. But in the reality, mistakes grow you. And your job is to grow into your potential. So make as many mistakes as fast as you can. Learn from them. Realize they're not going to kill you or eat you. And you'll watch your life transform into a place where you're proud of it. And at the end, you say, wow, that was spectacular. Man, I love when a conversation comes full circle. We started with fearlessness, pivoting fast, and don't wallow in that pain. And we really wrapped it up with really exactly what you just said there. Damien Lupo, everybody. Damien, really appreciate you being on the show today. Tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do. Best thing to do is just come visit me. You can listen to me at financialunderdogs.com. It's my daily show. If you want more of this, and if you want to take control of your, your money, and that's important, I'd 
check out eqrp.co and, and learn what we're doing there to break the shackles. Love to have you visit and get a copy of that book. And, and however I can help you, you know, you, you know, you got me in your corner. There's no doubt about it, my friend, Damien. I look forward to part two, part three, part four, many, many more conversations together. Appreciate you pushing me. Appreciate you pushing our listeners today. And I'm just super grateful for you. I'm grateful for everything that you do. I'm grateful for the way that you challenge other people to really bring out that inner guru because every single one of us has that. And I just want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show. I mean, there's so much value in this episode. There's so much that you can apply immediately. And I want to encourage you to identify what are your top three key distinctions? What are your top three takeaways that you can apply to your life, to your business, to your real estate portfolio, to your financial portfolio? immediately because at the end of the day, it's about taking action, but it's also about sharing and paying it forward because you can't just hold that all in. You have to use the law of circulation and pay it forward and share this with a friend, share this with someone that you work with, share this with a family member and share with them. What did you learn from this episode and what are you applying immediately? And until next time, Damien, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Elevate Nation. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.